You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. This is our, wow man, I've lost count. What is this? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. This is our seventh episode yeah. of season four, season four for the, the Star Wars Rebels episode, Kindred. It's very hard to track because we're doing these <laughs> two at a time, two at a time and then one at a time. But is it, it's the, our seventh episode but it's like the 10th episode i don't even know i'm one of your hosts michael cohen and with me as always is my faithful co-pilot matt the crankster cranky hey mike it's it's good to be back man it's raining cats and dogs mass hysteria in the star wars rebels uh, production schedule and tv watching yeah. schedule and, and recording schedule for and us. recording but, schedule uh, because like yeah. last week we recorded on a sunday this week we're recording on the monday morning because uh, right. we've both got the day off, so it's like okay, let's get this out of the way, so that yeah. uh, so that it's 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 ready to go for the week. And actually, I'm gonna post this one early. I held off on the last one and posted it on our regular right. Wednesday release, but I'm gonna post post this one early because there's a there lot of stuff, a lot a lot of oh, stuff man. that is breaking news. So let's get right into Woo! the news. Yeah, you talk about it, Mike breaking news. Let's get to it. All of us on the move. is strong this week. Now, he was the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. So you said it, Mike, uh, breaking news. And, and I'll just say, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. But I, I got to say, this is probably, for me, the biggest news that's come out since the purchase mm-hmm. of, you know, the Star Wars properties by yeah. Disney. I think this is the biggest thing to, to hit us so far. Um, obviously, everybody knows about it. We've been talking about it. Ryan Johnson, he's getting his own Star Wars trilogy. Mike, your thoughts? Hit it. Uh, well, one of the first things that I posted on Twitter is, I guess now we know why he's not directing Episode Nine. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The yeah, other definitely. thing is, thank the maker, I, Lucasfilm is back on track. Uh, now, I mean, like, I, I, I've always had confidence that they would, that they would pull out of this little bit of a mini tailspin that they were in, but, um, 
but it was getting a little bit sketchy there for a minute between Josh Trank and uh, and and uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, um, and and just sort of and, and then Colin Trevorrow. It's like okay, what what's going on? Like, what's the issue here? Why mm-hmm. are we having so many problems? Um, but thankfully, Ryan Johnson um, has clearly done. Like, this is the biggest thing. Okay. This tells me that as good as The Force Awakens was, because they got J.J. coming back to finish out the trilogy, as good as The Force Awakens was, The Last Jedi must be phenomenal. (laughs) It must be mind-blowingly good for them to turn around and go, okay, we want you committed for three more movies. Now he's not directing all three of them. So that's something to make really clear, but Mm. we want you committed for three more movies, at least as an executive producer, he's going to direct the first one at least. I mean, obviously these are years away. So, so, you know, like a lot of things can change between now and then, as we have discovered in recent history. Um, but they they're so confident in his ability to tell great star Wars stories that they're saying, go define a new, a new subset of the star Wars galaxy. Same as what they did with Dave Filoni. I mean, like this is, this is exactly the same, exactly the same. They gave Dave Filoni classic characters and he mm-hmm. showed everybody what he could do. Obviously it was, you know, we're mixing eras, pre Disney post Disney. But, but I think that based on his performance with the clone wars, using classic characters, doing a better job than George did, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it was like, okay, what do you want to do next? And, and, you know, I think that they probably gave him the era and he said, okay, I want to go do, tell this story about completely new characters. No, no classic characters. Um, just, you know, like, like bringing them in as guest stars, you know, obviously, but I, I think that that probably came along later in development. Initially, I'm sure that it was very much like, I want to tell stories about my own characters and they trusted Dave Filoni to do it. Cause he had a proven track record, Ryan Johnson now proven track record. I mean, obviously we haven't seen the movie yet, but the picture has mm-hmm. been locked for what, like two weeks. Oh, it's been a while, yeah. So the edit is is done, right? Like they are like this movie is ready to go. Like as we sit here, we're what we're like it's the thirteenth today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the thirteenth as we record this. We are like a month away. We're a month away from a new Star Wars movie, Matt. We're a month away from a new <laughs> Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um I got my Science. tickets, you've got yours. Ryan Johnson's yeah. gonna knock this one out of the ballpark. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. There is no doubt in my mind of that now. So obviously Kathleen Kennedy feels confident enough that she's saying, go tell your own story with your own characters in your own corner of the galaxy that we haven't experienced yet. And to me, that is, like you said, the most exciting news since the buyout. It's, yeah. it, it is absolutely the most exciting news because Ryan Johnson is a genius filmmaker. Um, if you haven't watched Looper, go watch Looper right now. Pause the podcast. Go watch Looper. <laughs> I don't care if you got a if you if it's on Netflix, you can watch it for free. If you got to pay to rent it, if you have to knock over a a, a a 
I don't know. Do they sell a Best Best Buy? Do they sell Blu-rays anymore? Uh, I think they I, do. Yeah. If you if you got to go to an cards. Amazon warehouse and you know punch people in the face and and fight your way <laughs> to a copy of Looper, do it right now because you're gonna watch that movie. You're gonna be like, oh my god, this is so good, and then you won't be able to wait for the Last Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw I have to go back and I have to watch Brick, which is one of his earlier movies. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean he's just he's just such a brilliant filmmaker. You can like I've said this a million times. You can tell just from the visual quality of the Last Jedi, just in the trailers, that this mm-hmm. is going to be different and, in my opinion, better than any Star Wars movie that's come before it. I honestly think that this is going to be the one. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to take a long time for it to, to be toppled probably only by Ryan Johnson himself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. New trilogy. I am, I am thrilled, uh, at this news. Um, did you have anything yeah. else to say about it? Do, I mean, well, like I, we can, we can speculate on what we think, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think that that's probably better left for maybe uh, a round table. Maybe we could do a round yeah, table in, sure. in December after yeah. we've seen the last Jedi. Uh, maybe yeah. you and me and Tim and Kyle could get together on, on the thunder quack round table and we can like speculate on what we want to see from Ryan right. Johnson's trilogy. But, but I think it's premature right now to start speculating on where it could go. Um, yeah. the fandom is obviously very much about the old Republic. Everybody wants it to be an old Republic story, but we'll see. Yeah. I'll just say kind of to piggyback off what you said, um, you know, we got, we got this news on the heels of Kathleen Kennedy saying, you know, this, we got stuff coming up in the next 10 years and, and as Disney often does, this stuff just kind of drops and you're just like, Whoa, what the heck is going, you know, like no pomp, no circumstance, no fanfare, just like, yeah. Hey, Oh, by the way. And, and, and it just like you said, first couple of thoughts that came through my head was one, obviously now we know why he's not doing episode nine and two, like you said, they must have the ultimate confidence in, in Ryan Johnson to take a trilogy. Not, and like you said, he's writing it, he's directing the first one, uh, and then we're, we're going to see what goes on from there. And, you know, he's introducing new characters from a corner of the yeah. galaxy that they have never kind of, you know, done before. I mean, the, the, everybody was talking about it. Um, like I said, just the ultimate confidence. And, and and it's hard not to go into the last year and go, this thing must be amazing to, yeah. for them to go, here you go, here, here, just go, like, Ryan Johnson, hey, we're, we're in a storyboard meeting or they're in a meeting or something like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff. Um, here, we're going to give you three movies, whatever you want to do. What do you think? And he probably went, you know, I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that. I'd yeah. like to introduce this and this. And they're like, here you go. Take three. It's all yours. And it's like, holy crap, this thing must be. And it's hard because, like you said, we haven't even seen it yet. We have no idea of this movie. But, yeah. but how can you not go into this thing going – Guys, thing must be really good if they're that confident in him to take over a whole thing. So I'm just, I'm really super pumped. I'm so happy for him, and I just can't wait for, like you said, we got a month to go. Yeah. And uh, and 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 it's going to kick off this 
this kind of it's almost like the Ryan Johnson era now. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Uh, we'll see coming up here real quick. So yeah. just initial thoughts. Fantastic. I'm sure, like you said, we'll get into more of it as as the months go by, maybe. And 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 hopefully that roundtable, we can start talking about where we because we can go on for another hour about where this thing can go. Exactly. It, you know what I mean? So there's there's tons of stuff. But anyway, um, and not only that. But it looks like Star Wars, a TV show, is finally going to debut. And, of course, this is the mastery of it. They're going to debut it on their new streaming service, which is supposed to come out um, in 2019. And, of course, what a way to start a streaming service. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm already like, where do I sign up? Because I'm, I'm all over this thing. Uh, new, st- new TV show kind of kicking off this new streaming service for Disney. Mike, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um. I'll believe it when I see it. That's my thoughts. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember. I think you tweeted that, right? It's yeah. like, ah. We've yeah. been down this road too many times yeah. before for me to get excited about this. When they've got a trailer um, and I can actually see what it is they're going to do, then I'll get excited. Until that point, it's, I, for me, it's, 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 not even, it's not even worth it uh, because – we had so many false starts on live action Star Wars television. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the only live action television that we've ever had is the Star Wars holiday special and the Ewok movies, which were TV movies um, <laughs> right. in their inception. So I uh, like, yeah, it, it I, I don't get me wrong. I want live action Star Wars on the small screen on a weekly basis as much as the next person. 44 minute episodes of Star Wars would be fantastic. Um, there are shows like Star Trek Discovery that that are showing that you can absolutely do that sort of storytelling, but you can't do it at the quality level that Star Wars is known for. So that to me is the... It, look, the only show that comes even close to Star Wars quality in terms of special effects and world building and, and set design and all that sort of thing is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, And yeah. there are a lot of other yeah. pretenders uh, trying to do similar things that don't mm-hmm. come anywhere near as close. If Disney is willing to spend as much money on a live-action TV series as... HBO spends on Game of Thrones, right? As well as keeping it tight, eight to ten episodes um, per season. Then, then yeah, sure, I think that they can pull this off. Um, but <clears throat> the fact that they just kind of buried this underneath the Ryan Johnson news, and it was sort of like a little addendum because all of this came out of a, an earnings call. Uh, Bob Iger right. talking about about the plans for Disney and, and, and a lot of the time these conversations coming out of the earnings calls are they're directed at, at shareholders to try and bolster confidence in, in the property. Right. So, um, there's a very good chance that Bob Iger is just saying stuff that they would like to do. And that there are currently no actual plans to make this happen. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if something were coming for the launch of the streaming service, it would have to be in production now in order for it to actually 
meet that 2019 launch that we've that we've heard about in it's got to be getting close right yeah, yeah in order yeah. for it to be the quality level which means that you'd have to have an executive producer attached you would have to have casting at least started if not complete you'd have to have all sorts of pre-production work being done because these things like these are long pipelines to to make effects heavy television programs the the caveat to that is that we don't know what Dave Filoni is working on right now. Yes. Dave Filoni is an animation director, so I'm not going to be one of the people who throws in and says, oh, it's totally, that's totally what he's working on. I'm not ruling it out because Dave Filoni is a very talented guy, and I think that he could transition into into live action, um, and he would bring a lot of really great knowledge in terms of special effects, and, you know, if there was a computer animated character um within that he he has the animation knowledge to know the technical ins and outs of 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 achieving something like that but directing for animation and directing for live action are very different things um especially like directing television live action is a is a completely different beast but Mm -hmm. like i said i won't rule it out and, and I don't know if he would be directing as much as he would just be executive producing and you bring in directors for each episode, which tends to be the way that, that television right. works. But this is for the streaming platform, so the old models are not as relevant. I mean, the industry is built to function in a certain way, so you're kind of beholden to that to a certain degree. But... It's Star Wars and it's Disney and, you know, I mean, like, the rumors right now is that Disney's about to buy Fox so that they can right. basically get the rights to the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the original Star Wars trilogy unedited, right? Like, because right now they can't release un- unedited cuts of Star Wars because Fox tex- technically owns those, right? Mm-hmm. They own the distribution rights for that, so they would have to do a joint ve- venture with Fox. So it makes a lot of sense for for Disney to do that. Like that's that's crazy that they have that much money uh, to buy out one of their biggest competitors and just absorb them. Um, that that's even a possibility, and it's absolutely a possibility. Uh, and thanks in large part to Star Wars and Marvel, which is funny because Marvel was dying <laughs> when they were bought yeah. by Disney. And yeah. uh, uh, dying for like the third or fourth time, um, and Star Wars was in a really weird sort of um, low key stall when when Disney bought them, uh, uh, bought Lucasfilm, right? So uh, they've managed to take both of these uh, mostly dormant properties, uh, uh, studios, and uh, or uh, franchises, however you want to, however you want to talk about it, companies, IPs. And turn them into two of the, not two of the, the two highest producing, highest earning um, entertainment commodities on the planet. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they are absolutely making enough money to make this work, but the timeline doesn't match up for me. So at the moment, I, I have to imagine that this is just conversation. It's just like this is what Disney wants to do next with Star Wars is they want to they want to emulate the success of Marvel on Netflix, but on their own streaming platform. Um, mm-hmm. 
how they do that is uh, gonna is is yet to be determined. It's gonna be interesting because I don't think that you can tell as big of a story on a small screen um, as you can with the movies. And so, what does that look like? Yeah, I think as far as the service is is go, uh, you know, if you just had a service that was going to start showing all the Marvel movies and Star Wars stuff. I, I don't know if I would go for that just because I, you know, I kind of have all the movies already. If I want to see them, I'll just put sure, them on. Yeah. I don't know what, what benefit a streaming service. I mean, unless you do like Netflix, Netflix is, has done and create new content. Yeah. So that's, what's going to get me buying the service is if you do debut a yeah. brand new show, um, but you're right, though. Like, if if you're gonna do this in 2019, I mean, you, you would think you'd start hearing some stuff pretty darn soon. Um, let's just say they did it the way, like you've been talking about Game of Thrones. They do like the 10 episode seasons normally. I know the last yeah. one was only seven, but normally you got the filming. Like they're filming right now. Like last, let's see, let's say last year they filmed in the kind of the winter months to have a summer release. Um, so I guess it can they've shown that it can be done with huge budgets and a lot of yep. stuff going, a lot of effects, and still get it done in a time frame where, you know, what, six to eight months or whatever. But like you said, God, you'd think you'd hear something pretty darn soon about this if they yeah. want to debut it in 2019. So we'll see what happens. And and all this news, like you said, we didn't hear anything about any animation, which was, hmm. So I don't you know, is the animation kind of like they're going to put that on the back burner for a little while because they got to kind of focus on this new TV show? Well, here's, we'll see. Here's the interesting thing. As we're talking about this, I'm realizing that whatever the next Star Wars animated series is, we're not getting it on Disney XD. <laughs> right? That's uh-huh. that's worked thus far for Star Wars Rebels and as well as the other things that, that Disney has been releasing like, like Marvel's Spider-Man and guardians of the galaxy and ducktales and stuff like that it makes sense right now for them to put it on disney xd um mm-hmm. because that's the most logical platform forces of destiny has been on youtube primarily i mean i know that they also air it on on the disney channel but right. they do them in sort of like these these special event blocks but really in truth it airs on youtube mm-hmm. um I think that the better home for this stuff is is obviously on this streaming service, and I can't okay, yeah. I can't believe I wasn't sure where you're going. Yeah. I can't believe that I didn't think about that until just now yeah. talking about the live action series on the streaming service. Obviously, whatever is coming next from Lucasfilm Animation is going to be on the streaming service. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. It is a a slam dunk for them to just go ahead and release Star Wars detours on their streaming oh, man. Yeah. Now, I don't know why, like, because that, I think, was in conjunction with Cartoon Network, but let's be honest, they can work something out. Like, they can they can pay to, to retain those rights, to get those rights back or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's honestly what we're looking at. I think that, that this streaming service, we've kind of been talking about it like, oh, yeah, it's going to be cool, it's going to be neat. I mean, as long as they have uh, original content... And what we've been ignoring is the fact that Disney produces so much original content already. And I don't think that Disney XD and the Disney channel and ABC, what is it? It's, it, it's spark up here. It used to be ABC family for you guys. Freeform. Is that what it's called now? I think that's what it's called now in the States. Um, Freeform. Yeah. 
because I, I think that's what that, but... I think Runaways is is airing on Freeform, which is it's something like that. I can't remember, but um, yeah, I mean like like a, like a TV series like like Marvel's Runaways, it, it's going to be airing on on whatever ABC Family is called now. Um, that's another one that's like a slam dunk for their for the streaming service. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. The other part that was really interesting that came out about this is that the streaming this the Disney streaming service when it launches is going to be cheaper than Netflix. Now, yeah. don't expect it to stay that way. Just just everybody <laughs> prepare yourselves right now. When they launch, it's probably going to be like seven dollars a month, right? Because they want everybody in. And then once you've got it, a couple years later, they're going to jack up the price to 10 and then up to 15 and it's going to sit there and that's where it's going to be. Um, yeah. Like it, it will get more expensive, but they, Disney is smart. They know they got to launch this thing as a better alternative than, uh, than Netflix. And, and for young families, it's going to be a necessity. Um, mm-hmm. because I mean, like are you, everything that Disney has produced at my fingertips to yeah. keep my daughter occupied while I clean the house or cook dinner or whatever. It's <laughs> like, I can just put cars on and it'll just yeah. play through cars one, two and three. Yes, please. I I'll give, I'll pay you $20 a month for it. And don't tell <laughs> Disney that, but like, yeah. come on, like everybody's going to want this thing. Everybody who's got kids. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's the one. That's the one thing that kind of gives me a little hope. When you you were saying, man, I hope they can they get this done. Is it is Disney, and yeah. um, it's not Lucas or Lucasfilm. So uh, I have confidence that they're you know they're. I mean, look at they're doing with the Han Solo thing. With all the setbacks they have, they've still got this thing eyeing for a May release. So still on track yet? Tandy Newton still, was saying that it's looking yeah. like that it's going to be a fantastic film despite all of the problems. So yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, like you gotta take that with a grain of salt. She's in the movie; she wants it to do well because she gets residuals, and she's gonna get kickback if it performs, right? So yeah, because the way that most big stars yeah. get paid is like they get paid their paycheck, but then you know if you're a big enough star, you also get back end, which means like mm-hmm. if the movie grosses over a certain amount because the studio wants to cover expenses and marketing and blah blah blah, um, but once it hits that certain amount you get a percentage 5% whatever it is of of revenue from that right. from that film right like a star like yeah. tom cruise right he that's 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 where he really makes all of his his money like yeah he gets paid millions of dollars to make a mission impossible but what's more important to him is that that mission impossible movie is awesome so that it makes a bunch of movie in the box office and then it makes a bunch of movie a money on on blu-ray and on streaming and blah 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 so right uh that's like so we, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt whenever an actor says like oh this movie's gonna be <laughs> awesome it's like uh yeah. yeah okay i mean like according yeah. to you who worked on it who gets paid more <laughs> if it does well right so right but yeah yeah that's great great news man a lot of, lot of fantastic stuff yep. huge news to for this week uh one last thing before we get into the recap mike uh we're just a few days away to starting our run on Battlefront 2. I'm looking forward to that this Friday. I've kind of been uh, under the radar as far as like news. I've just kind of been waiting for the thing to come out. Yeah. And, but uh, there's some major stuff going on. A lot of people are unhappy. With, uh, tell them what's going on. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, it, it's, it's really weird. Um, EA 
has decided uh, <laughs> so when the beta came out everybody was really frustrated by what appeared to be this loot crate um, style of microtransaction so for those who aren't gamers and don't understand what a microtransaction is it's exactly what it sounds like they instead of you know you pay seventy dollars for the game and then or sixty dollars I guess for you guys in the states I think um, and then and then your microtransactions are things like oh I want a better blaster rifle I want this upgrade for my X-wing I want this 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 and there's all little stuff mm-hmm. these microtransactions of a dollar two dollars five dollars ten dollars thirty dollars fifty dollars a hundred dollars I know micro right uh, it when it starts adding up to more than the game itself um, it this is something that's been been creeping in on on gaming for probably the last 10 or 15 years it started on the free-to-play model so a game would come out and it would be free to play the game but in order to um advance past anybody who's got a a a mobile phone and plays mobile games understands what i'm talking about you know i angry birds you can play angry birds for the first probably 13 14 levels uh without any problem and then your progression starts to slow down. It starts to get tougher to beat a level. And then the pop-ups start of like, oh, hey, give us $5 and you'll get three extra birds on this on this level in order to finish it so you can progress to the next level. And as you go further and further and further down the road, it gets harder and harder and harder to progress without spending money. Um, and the majority of people don't spend money. But, but they wait for what in the industry is termed as a whale, which a whale is somebody who comes in and they, they download the free-to-play game. And before they've even started playing, they drop 100 bucks, right? Mm. And they buy a bunch of the, the stuff. Now, with EA, last year, or two years ago, I should say, with Battlefront, they experimented with a model... Um, and if you think that this wasn't pre-planned, then you are, uh, as reckless as you are stupid, um, to quote Darth Vader, uh, (laughs) they put out an incomplete game. They got a game, they got the bare bones of a game done as quickly as possible to release ahead of the force awakens so that they could capitalize on the, the star Wars fever surrounding, Force Friday, The Force Awakens, um, everything that was going on in 2015. Everybody Mm -hmm. bought that game, myself included. That game was not worth $60 to $70. That game was worth maybe $30. Um, And you can trust me on this. I spend a lot of money on games every year. Like, I spend at least $100 a month on games. So... Uh, like that's at least in some months I spent significantly more than that. And that's purchasing individual games for the most part. I don't buy a lot of DLC unless it's story-based. So, um, so yeah, I, I picked up battlefront in 2015 and I, and was very disappointed right out the gate at how bare bones it was and how lackluster it actually ended up being. And I played it for maybe a week and then I put it down and I didn't touch it again because there's just not mm. enough game there. The biggest complaint was that there was no single player. So this time around, 
Uh, or I should finish that. So they put out the first Battlefront. It was a bare bones game. And then they went, oh, by the way, for another 60 to $70, depending on your region, um, you can buy access to the downloadable content, the DLC. And that's going to be more levels, more characters, more this, more that, blah, 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 blah. More vehicles, weapons, etc. Um, essentially turning a $60 game into a $120 game. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, with all of the additional content, not really adding up to, to what a full-fledged... Like if you were going to buy something like, like Battlefield or Call of Duty... Um, or especially not if you're thinking of a game like Destiny or something like that that has hundreds and hundreds of hours of content. Um, and then on top of it, the gameplay is just not great. It's just really punishing and not fun and designed to make you want to spend money to get hmm. to get unlocks to progress. And everybody bought into it everybody spent the money everybody did the thing that ea wanted them to do with battlefront one in 2015 throughout 2016 now in 2017 their big play is oh you guys said you wanted single player here's a really cool single player story that fills in the gap between episode six and episode seven the thing everybody's clamoring for and i applaud them for doing that but it's only a five-hour campaign, uh, which is not very long. And first-person shooter campaigns don't tend to be much longer than six hours. But even still, five-hour campaign, that's great. That gets me about $20 into the game, right? Like, that's about $20 worth of value. Based on what I played in the beta, everything else is exactly the same as Battlefront 1. The, the other big thing that they added with this one is that you can play across multiple eras. You've got clone wars you've got and in right. fact i mean like they've got the battle of camino and the battle of camino is uh based on star wars the clone wars if that's not enough to get me in oh boy i don't know what they can do <laughs> because like yeah. they've got like those big octopus ship things in one of the trailers right from star wars the clone wars like like how much cooler does it get than that um but the gameplay is the same thing. They didn't improve anything. In fact, with Starfighter Combat, they made it more obtuse and more difficult to control. Um, and and again, same price tag uh, and the same methodology of like, oh, also buy your Seasons Pass for $60 to get all of the content for this game. All of the characters, all of the levels, all of the blah, blah, blah. On top of that, they have taken character progression and basically locked it behind a paywall. Um, and now they say, they'll tell you that if you just play the game, you'll naturally progress through this. But you know that on day one, those whales are going to come in. They're going to spend $100. They're going to unlock all of their loot crates. They're going to be so ridiculously powered up compared to you. Right. On day one. You're going to step out as your silly little rebel trooper at level one and just get shot in the face and then step out (laughs) again and get shot in the face and 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 shot in the face. Are you getting the picture? Like, like it's annoying for me to talk about it. 
how annoying would it be? Cause you have to wait like a minute to reload your character every time and then jump back in. You're not going to be able to play this game. If you're a casual gamer, this game is punishing to star Wars mm-hmm. fans. It is basically taking a license, wrapping it around a steaming pile of Bantha Poodoo and, uh, and, and shoving it down your throat because you're a star Wars fan. And because you're a star Wars fan, you'll buy anything. And I've talked about that before in terms of the comics and the novels um, and, you know, the action figures as well, right? I mean, Hasbro can put out whatever they want. It doesn't have to be good quality because people will just buy it. And that started to 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 work against them a, a little while ago, and so they've upped their game a little bit lately. But even still, I mean, like, they're, these figures are nowhere near the quality that they were a few years ago because it doesn't matter. People still buy them. I still buy them. Matt, you still buy stuff. Like we do it because we're star Wars fans. We want to buy star Wars stuff. And this is no different. It looks like a beautiful game. And that's where the good parts end. The story I'm sure is going to be great because the the people who wrote the story are hardcore star Wars fans. And I totally trust that. I think that the, the acting and performance on the story stuff is all going to be great. I'm not paying for this game until it's $30. And and I'm not paying for the DLC, and I'm never dropping into the multiplayer ever. I'm gonna play the single player, and that is as far as I care to play this game. I had a pre-order for the game for fifty dollars from an E3 promotion back in yeah. June. I canceled my pre-order because I'm not. I just don't want to contribute to the ecosystem that EA is creating. Um, uh-huh. I don't think like what they what they did. We had, we didn't even talk about what they did with Visceral shutting it down, um, and uh, I, that Star Wars game has been canceled. Um, that that you know uh, Amy Hennig was working on. She's one of the the creators and directors of the Uncharted series, which is one of my favorite series video game series of all time. So I'm very disappointed about that. And EA shut them down because of business reasons. I mean, like, uh, by all accounts, that game was in trouble. Like, the production was in trouble. But um, but even still, like, there there are there are alternatives to shutting down an entire studio and laying a bunch of people off. Um, had it been handled properly. It was, a, again, by all accounts, it's a, it was a management issue. The artists creating the game aren't the ones at fault. Um, and again, like with this, the artists creating Battlefront 2 aren't the ones at fault. This is EA, Electronic Arts, which what has been in the past named as the worst place in the world to work, like the worst <laughs> company to work for, um, which is hyperbolic because, you know, people work in pretty terrible conditions in third world countries. But for, for first world, uh, uh, you know, like like major corporations, they take advantage of their employees. They they're, they're, they are not a good company. Electronic Arts is not a good company. And that's why when Lucasfilm got into bed with them, I was a little hesitant uh, when Lucasfilm and Disney sort of doubled down on on EA uh, with Battlefront and, and the Visceral game and, and, um, and all that. Um, they are the, it's, it's predatory. Uh, they're putting gambling mechanics into a star Wars game to get you hooked into spending more money than you should for a very shallow, poor experience. If you compare the gameplay to any other first person shooter, battlefront is garbage. 
It's garbage. If you even compare the gameplay to the original Battlefront games on the PlayStation 2, these new ones do not play well. They're not fun. They just aren't. Like I, I And I think that there's a lot of people tricking themselves into believing that they're having a good time because it's Star Wars. Um, and it's just, it's the whole thing with the novels and the comic books all over again. Only this is on a bit of a larger scale because I don't, if you paid $12 for a novel, I don't really care if you paid mm-hmm. $20 for, a, for a graphic novel, that's not a big deal. Right. Um, but if you're paying $60 for the game and then another $60 for the, for the, uh, season pass and then upwards of $500 on microtransactions over the course of, of your playtime, you're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a game that doesn't deserve to be purchased in the first place, in my opinion. Um, Hmm. I, so I'm not giving them any money until they've severe. And this is the other thing is that if you're buying this game on day one, you're, you're, you're making a mistake because one of the executives at EA said, Oh yeah, it'll be, it'll be discounted over the holidays. Just like we always do. Yeah. So you're going to be able to pick this game up. If you're paying the $60, $70 price tag on this game on day one, uh, you are getting ripped off because it's not what the game is worth because EA knows that they're going to sell this game for $40, $50 over the holiday season. Black Friday, uh, post-Christmas, up here we call it Boxing Day, but you guys do your sales as well down in the States. Right. Like, it, it, There will be opportunities to get this game for cheaper. The only reason to get it on day one is if you've already got a discount like I had and all you care about is the story and you're willing to pay $50 or $40 for that story. If you are, then by all means, go ahead. Go for it. I support your decision. If you think that you're paying $70 for a fully fleshed out, fun experience, multiplayer and story, you're sorely mistaken and you need to reassess what you're spending your money on because there are better games there are way better video games to spend your money on there are indie developers that deserve attention way more than ea and to be perfectly honest in my opinion ea needs to be punished for this kind of behavior and the only way to do that is to not buy the game but i don't expect a lot of people to do that i expect this to be the biggest selling game of the holiday season um i expect it to sell twice as many copies as battlefront one did even with all of this controversy so yeah, I don't know. People can do whatever they're gonna do, but I'm not. That's I'm not giving yeah. EA money right now. That's good for me to know because I definitely want to play this game, but I'm in no rush to, yeah. uh, you know, because I'm terrible at all the the first person stuff. So yeah. I was kind of looking forward to the story mode. So if I know in a few weeks I'm gonna be able to get this thing for cheaper price there's no, yeah. no reason for me to like you said buy it right away yeah and, and you're talking about these was that yeah black friday is what three yeah. weeks away not yeah, even correct. two weeks away no not even two yeah two weeks exactly. away well you, you can't wait two weeks to play this game just wait two weeks don't give right. them all of your money and don't buy the dlc in advance don't buy the season pass because if you wait a year the dlc will be cheaper You'll be able to get the DLC for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. 
Or if you wait so long enough, mo- like I did with Battlefront, you'll be able to get all the DLC for free. But it doesn't yeah. matter. They gave it away for free, but nobody's playing Battlefront anymore. So right. it's like, if it, the whole thing is just, I don't know. I, multiplayer games with this, games as a service, it's, there are, there are people doing it well and there are people doing it poorly. EA is doing it poorly and they're doing it in a predatory, um, very uh, money-grubbing, greedy model. Uh you're better off to spend your money on a game like Destiny, uh, Destiny 2, actually, which which just came out in September. Destiny 2 is fantastic. The gameplay is awesome. The The gameplay loop, which is like you're grinding for gear and stuff like that, is really satisfying, really fun. They improved it a lot over the first one. And aesthetically, it's as good as Star Wars. It's every bit as good as Star Wars, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, like in terms of the way that, like, the your the character models and stuff like that look it's not it doesn't have nostalgia because it's only a, a like a three-year-old property four-year-old property but i mean like the characters are stunning to look at the story in destiny 2 is a lot of fun it's really really good um yeah i mean like if if you're looking for something to play right now that is battlefront-esque that you want to play for two weeks while you wait for battlefront i'm pretty sure you could probably find a used copy of destiny at like a GameStop or something like that for yeah. for cheaper 30, 30 uh, for bucks like or 50 bucks or something like that i don't i don't know what the yeah. prices are like down there at, at GameStops, but yeah i mean like that would be my recommendation go pick that up wait for battlefront to be cheaper you'll spend a hundred bucks but you'll get two games that you'll enjoy instead of spending seventy dollars for one game that that you might have a little bit of fun with but i i i honestly for people who aren't big gamers that just jump in for battlefront i challenge you to play just find a friend who's got a copy of battle uh, battlefield or uh, or call of duty or destiny borrow it just borrow it for a week just be like hey i just want to try this out play it and then play battle battlefront and tell me that Battlefront is just as good gameplay-wise, that the controls make sense, that the gameplay loop isn't punishing compared to those other games. Because right. it absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's it, They are not good games. They're not. Yeah. I, 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 I play a lot of video games. I play a lot of video <laughs> games. Hey, my boys are all over that World War II right now. I can't yeah. get enough of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, like, there are, like, first-person shooters are a tried-and-true genre, and EA is changing things just for the sake of saying that they're different with Battlefront. And uh, I, I don't think it's good. I, I just don't. So I don't know. Yeah. That's what I said. I said I wasn't going to talk about it for too long. And I think I talked about it for 20 minutes. I think I went on. <laughs> hey, well, those microtransactions are kind of like the in-app purchase, right? Basically the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And like I said, like it, with that same model of like Angry Birds and Candy Crush, it's yeah. predatory. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, like they are right. looking for Matt. Like they're looking at your kids, and they're going, "Oh man, yeah." I we want you to ask your parents for fifty dollars to to progress through this game because, right. like, if you think that your kids are going to jump in there and be awesome right off the bat, they're not. They're going to get their butts handed to them repeatedly by some thirty year old who has disposable income and no family (laughs) like he doesn't have kids he's not married so all he does is go to work at his development job he's probably a programmer or something like that i know i'm making a stereotype here but but i think that it's fairly accurate 
goes to his job, does that, and then comes home and plays Battlefront. He's a he's an he's an ace at these games, right? And then on top of that, he's spent a hundred dollars because he makes like a hundred and fifty grand a year. <laughs> so he doesn't yeah. care. That guy doesn't care about the money. It it's it's chump change to him. But to your kids fifty dollars is another video game that they could have right oh like, yeah i get that all the time yeah yeah so hey can i can i get this can i get that it's only you know it's 490 i, I get that a lot with clash royale it's like oh i, yeah. I want to get my super chest it's only five bucks you know yeah it's only it's five like, no. bucks but they want to do it every week right yeah so i got you there yeah, yeah totally. exactly so it's like like that's what they're taking advantage of it's not it isn't people like you and I Matt it's it is definitely kids that right. they're hooking on gambling like that's because that's the other thing about this is that these these loot boxes if people don't understand the idea behind a loot box you pay money real money real world money okay and i mean like they trick you they go well you're not paying real money for the loot boxes you're paying real money for the in-game currency that's always the the trick, right? Yeah. You're paying $50 for 10,000 galactic credits, whatever they're they're calling them in this game, right? Probably just credits. But like you're paying for those credits and then you can use those credits on a, a variety of different things. I mean, you could use them to upgrade your character or you could use them for a loot box or you could use them for this cosmetic thing. It's it's that's up to you. That's the gamer's choice, right? And you don't have to, you can get this just by playing the game. Well, you get it very slowly by playing the game in order to unlock Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker characters who were just available in previous star Wars battlefront games. Uh, mm. You have to pay. You have to play the game for forty hours. Forty hours worth of progression is what they estimated at, and that's yeah. that's expecting that you're good at the game, and you're not going to be good at the game because somebody else spent three hundred dollars to max out their character on day one so that they can just snipe you from across the field every time you spawn your character. So you're never going to get good at the game because you're not going to get to play it. So right, that's it. That's all I have to say. That's all yeah. I have to say on this subject. Ooh, Don't buy yeah, Battlefront is what, is, is what this comes That's the bottom to. line of the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, man, uh, anything else before we... Uh, no, I, we, if there was anything else, we wouldn't have time to talk about it. Let's yeah. get on the recap. <laughs> all right, let's do it. <laughs> Ezra! It's time to get to work. When are you going to feel you've done enough for this rebellion? I guess you really never thought about us. All the paths are coming together, right? I'm just not sure if we're going to like where they lead. Krennic has been quite persuasive about his own project, Stardust. Are you confident your ship can get in and out undetected? We don't call it the ghost for nothing. Oh, got him! Now is our time for the Devil's Recap. Force be with you. All right, here we go with Kindred. Kane and Jarrus meditating near the camp, uh, rebels' camp is approached by Harris and Dula. She tells him that the others have already left to retrieve the hyperdrive and that she's surprised he didn't go as well. He responds that it seems as if the Spectres always find themselves returning to Lethal. Hera responds that the planet is Ezra Bridger's homeworld and he has a strong attachment to it. 
Canaan points out that they were drawn to Lothal before they ever met Ezra. Hera asks him if he's saying uh, they were destined to meet Ezra, and Canaan responds non-committally. So, Mike, we open up here on Lothal with Canaan meditating here. I always like this kind of stuff where you get yeah. some just quiet moments. And, uh, you know, Canaan, he wanted to stay back. It's like, yeah, the specters are fine. He wants to kind of stay back and kind of ground himself. And kind of – it's almost like he wants to – kind of spend some time with 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 Hera and we'll get into more of that as this episode kind of unfolds but um he also has a it seems to me like we're getting to this point where Canaan also has a strong connection to Lothal and even Canaan says in this particular portion he says uh, there's more to it so there's more to it to him that's going on on this particular world and obviously we get more of it in this episode but in this beginning part uh you kind of you kind of notice that there's something else going on with Canaan here, and Hera wonders if Canaan thinks that they were meant to come to Lothal to meet Ezra, which I thought, whoa, yeah. like were they drawn here for this? So I don't, Mike, you have any uh, any thoughts on that on this particular? Oh, well, we- I, I think I think that that's I, I like this conversation between them because I think this conversation is the conversation between the fans and Dave Filoni. Where uh-huh. it's like, well, obviously they were drawn there. Kanan was drawn to Lothal to meet Ezra, to train Ezra, because Ezra is the main character in this story, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, like I said last week, Ezra isn't the main character in this story. The reveal from the Lothwolf, Lothwolves, yeah. uh, when when that when the when the wolf says doom. This story is about Kanan. It's always been about Kanan since the beginning, and I think the biggest key to that is like, does Ezra have a, a comic book? That's all about him. Does does Ezra have a novel that's told primarily from his point of view? Mm. No, but Kanan has both of those things. Right. Kanan's the main character of this series, and this series is about his journey um, from Order sixty six to this point. Um, and if you haven't read Kanan, the Last Padawan, the the I think it's a two volume graphic novel. Um, uh, it was obviously released in issues, but. Um, yeah, if you haven't read that, go pick it up because it's fantastic, especially if you're a Clone Wars fan. I cannot say that enough times. Um, and if you haven't read A New Dawn, read A New Dawn. Read it. It's a, it's a really good book. Uh, I, you know, and Look, you just heard me bashing Star Wars novels and people who buy them. A New Dawn was pretty good. And it actually it informs a lot about these two characters in this first scene, Hera and Kanan. And this scene is incredibly poignant, and, and this yeah. episode is incredibly poignant to, uh, to to the fans who have read that stuff. And you guys know that I'm 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 definitely one of the people who says you know you shouldn't have to read the ancillary material, so stuff like novels and comic books and play video games, in order to appreciate the story contained within the TV show or a movie, but. Um, I don't think that's the case here. I think that this is a great story. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think a lot of it is surprising. It's like the the relationship between Kanan and Hera is a little bit more, um, a little bit, not a twist, but it's a little bit more of a revelation of an epiphany to, to fans who just watch the show. Um, and the, the reveal of, of the, the Loth Wolf saying doom, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself at the end of the episode, Kanan acknowledges that that's his name. 
mm-hmm. um, the name he was born with. I think that those are twists to people who haven't read the ancillary material and don't know the, the backgrounds of these characters. Um, but this is what, when the, when the, the expanded universe content is good, this is what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to elevate an already strong story. It's not like Rogue One where the story is dependent on you going out and seeking out that material so that you can actually understand who Chirrut and Baze are or you can actually understand why Jin Erso is an unlikable character at the beginning of that film, right? Or understand the relationship between Krennic and, and, um, and Galen, right? Like, everybody tells me, oh, you just don't like the movie because you haven't read the novel because you haven't checked out this thing or that thing and it's like if i have to read a novel in order to enjoy a two and a half hour movie the two and a half hour movie failed Mm -hmm. right but in this instance i don't you don't have to have read the novel or the comic in order to enjoy star wars rebels it's great in any case but if you've read those if you've experienced those stories um then these stories are enhanced by it. They're just, it's just right. a little bit juicier. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I love this scene because it is very much uh, Dave Filoni telling the audience what he's known all along, which is that it's, it, it's, it's Ezra is an important piece. Kanan doesn't say he's not important. He is absolutely important, but he's not the reason why they're on Lothal. There's something mm. else going on. Something yeah. he says towards the end of the episode, more sinister, right? So Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going to see what that is. We're going to find out what that is by the end of this episode. But, but man, uh, if last week didn't expand your understanding of the Force, this week definitely will. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The one-two punch of these two episodes. It's just like this season is great. It's yeah. great. Thus far, there hasn't been a dull episode. Even next week, we're going to talk about Crawler Commanders. And Crawler Commanders was a little bit more of like a just sort of mission of the week, getting back to what they used to do in like season one and two. Um, but it's still a lot of fun. It's still really good. It still has some great moments. Uh, but it is very different from the the sort of thrust of the story that we've been getting. Uh, and like we told you guys this is we're recording this on monday morning the episode that airs tonight oh i think it's gonna be a good one i think it's good yeah. i think it might top flight of the defender for me right out the gate because <laughs> whoa yeah. x-wings yeah. space battle yeah, X-wings. Mm, yeah. i can't wait uh, that's anyways. always good stuff that's always yeah. good stuff Here, I'll, idea, right? I'll continue uh at sure. the crash site of the tie defender elite governor arinda price informs grand admiral thrawn via hologram that the site has been secured, but that the prototype's flight data recorder and hyperdrive are missing. In response, the Grand Admiral tells Price that he is sending some specialized help to locate the Rebels. She states that she does not need help, and he counters that the Rebels' presence on Lothal and the theft of the prototype, recent failings of hers, are evidence that she very much does. Thrawn states that his agent, Rook, will be there shortly. Nearby, Ezra and Jai Kel, disguised as as stormtroopers, sneak around the rocks. A white Lothcat appears perched on top of a rock, and Ezra tells Zeb that he'll follow it. Zeb is skeptical, but the two pull down the rock to discover the hyperdrive behind it. 
They pause as an Imperial gunship flies overhead. It lands at the crash site and is met by Governor Price, who states to the sole passenger that he must be Rook, Thrawn's assassin. The no-grease sniffs the air and states that he smells Lasat nearby and that he isn't alone. So this is a big scene. This is a big, big scene, right? Because the yeah. introduction of Rook, the first on-screen Nogri, mm-hmm. um, defines now visually what these characters look like. And uh, if you're like me, you've you've always been curious about the Nogri because they're in 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 the expanded universe. They were fascinating, right? Because they. They, upon meeting Princess Leia, immediately identify that she's the daughter of Darth Vader, and they call her Lady Vader, and uh, they swear their allegiance to her, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and uh, and and there's a, a, a no greed that is like her personal bodyguard. I don't think it's Rook. I think it's a different character, but uh-huh. um, and I can't remember that character right now, but. Uh, but yeah, the the introduction of this character and Rook is a named character from the Thrawn trilogy, I believe. So, um, like this is a character that people have been waiting a long time to see on screen, and this mm-hmm. this finally defines them a lot of the time. And I always pictured them because I didn't read the Thrawn trilogy. That was my original introduction to the to the Nogri. My original introduction was during the New Jedi Order. And I pictured them as, because one of them was Leia's bodyguard, I always thought that they, it was like a Chewbacca situation where it was like a towering, big, bulky hulk of a creature, right? Um, but apparently in the original description, um, which I like, I don't recall uh, as well as other people who've read those novels more than once, they're actually described as like as like sort of thin and muscly, very wiry. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and much more and uh, diminutive, smaller. So Rook is actually closer to the size of a Jawa, um, but he's got those like ape arms. So it's right. those long forearms and kind of transitions between walking on two legs and walking on four. Yeah. Um, and as we see in a minute, he's not to be trifled with. He's definitely no. a threat. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I love the introduction of this character, and I already love this character. And, and the beginning of this is a couple of things. Uh, Price, um, Thrawn brings in Rook because he's had enough of her already. You know, yeah. it's like she goes, hey, no, we can handle this. She's like, no, you can't. He's kind of calling her out. You know, he's like, hey, you already had a couple failures. It's time to bring somebody in. And I love this character, uh, Rook, because right away you get an idea of – just how different he is. Like he's a tracker. Like right when he gets off, he goes, yeah, I smell, he smells, yeah. you know, Zeb, which I'm sure he might not smell that well, but he's able to pick <laughs> him up. Perfect tracker. And he's off and running like, let's go this way. They're over here. So, uh, I just love the introduction and right away you get an idea, a sense of, uh, what he's going to bring and how he's going to help, uh, Thrawn track these guys down. So I love that. Um, uh, Jaya, walking through, elect, uh, looking, watching through electro binoculars, tells Ezra that they have a problem. Ezra, seeing Rook approaching, tells Zeb to deal with the hyperdrive while he handles this. Flipping their visors down, Ezra tells Jaya to follow his lead, and the two approach the assassin. Ezra attempts to pass them off as scout troopers who have just finished searching the area, but Rook smacks Ezra aside. In the ensuing fight, Ezra uses the force to throw Rook into a rock and off Jaya. The two eventually escape on a speeder bike, and Rook 
pursues as Governor Price and several stormtroopers arrive as backup. Seeing the Imperial troop transport, Zeb decides to steal it and jumps down and throws out the driver b- b- uh, before escaping. As Price is forced to jump out of the way, uh, Zeb contacts the base camp, reporting that he has the hyperdrive. So, uh, again, some more stuff, some uh, cool chase scene with yep. uh, Rook looking, going after uh, Jai and Ezra. And he, at first, I wasn't sure exactly what he threw. I, I assumed it was some kind of a tracking device, uh, but I didn't yeah. know if it was going to be like a you know a, a bomb or, or something. something. That was yeah. a grenade, yeah. But it ends up being a tracker. So, again, um, more as far as this character like man this guy's good you know that's why he brought him in yep. he's a good tracker he's he knows what he's doing if he if he thinks he's gonna lose he has his ultimate or these alternate devices to help him uh, just in case like i said the tracker that was a obviously a perfect move for him to uh just in case something happens he knows where they're gonna go so uh any other thoughts on this mike yeah no i like it i like i like that they bring in this assassin um you know uh fleshing out the Star Wars galaxy, um, that not all threats are force related threats, right? We've gotten a lot of, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the inquisitors and, and, right. and, you know, dark side force users and stuff like that over the years, but, uh, and a lot of troopers and bounty hunters, but I like that, that this character is, he's not a bounty hunter. It's not about right. money, right? He, he's, and I mean, like a lot of this is 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 inferred from expanded universe material, but he's sort of pledged loyalty to the Empire and to to Thrawn. Um, I also like that this is a character. This is a, a solution that other Imperials wouldn't consider because the Imperials are human. Um, but Thrawn is Chiss, therefore he he just just by virtue of that has access to other solutions and the Nogri are no exception to that. So mm-hmm. the fact that he calls in Rook, it's like, okay, this is, and, and uh, Price is very against it because it's a, you know, it's a filthy alien, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I like that because it, it definitely fleshes out a little bit more of the Empire mm-hmm. and that like there are, Although the majority of it is this orderly, you know, uniform organization, the, there are there are these weird fringes of it, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, I like that. But here, I'll, yeah, I'll continue. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Ezra and Jai are pursued by Rook and two scout troopers into a maze of rock spires. The Nogri assassin pulls up on up to their bike and attacks with his electro staff, which Ezra blocks with his lightsaber. Ezra asks Jai if the bike can't go any faster, and he responds that it can't. Rook is forced to break off to avoid a boulder blocking his path and fires a tracking device which attaches to the back of the rebel's bike. Ezra and Jai don't notice as they flee deeper into the maze. Rook continues to pursue, along with the two scout troopers, and Ezra plants a detonator on a partially collapsed rock spire as he and Jai pass under it. When the explosive goes off... It takes out one of the scout troopers, and the other is forced to stop. Rook, bringing up the rear, rides his bike over the obstruction, and Ezra manages to shoot and destroy the assassin's vehicle before he and Jai flee. So great, great chase sequence. Um, oh, I love the action. Yeah. Very, I mean, like, you know, anytime it's speeder bikes, you can't help but but compare it to Endor, <laughs> yeah. right? 
but just really well choreographed i think like a a really great suspenseful action sequence and we just don't know whether or not the brook is going to is going to get them because he seems like a like a legitimate threat but Ezra's pretty quick. Ezra is pretty clever, and he's he's pretty powerful at this point. So, um, right, and right. Uh, like he and Kanan are versatile Jedi, uh, which is the thing that I like about them the most is that that Ezra can switch between the lightsaber and the blaster. Yeah, and he's yeah. just as good with one as he is with the other. Um, yeah, and the detonator, which it's like it's it's all these great things. It's like he learns the lightsabers from from. Uh, Kanan, the blasters from Zeb, the the detonator from Sabine. He's a he's a decent pilot by virtue of of hanging around with Hera, right? Like he's such a well rounded character because he's with all of these great specialists, um, right? So yeah, that's so Rook Rook I think underestimates them. I think that that's what happens here. So it's not a matter of Rook being better or worse than them. I think it's a matter of Rook not knowing what to expect. And once he sort of figures it out, uh, if if he meets up with them again, I think that that they should be careful. Yeah, that's a good point. That the underestimation point of it, it um, I think that's exactly right too. And like you said, great action scene. Yeah. It ends with Ezra blasting uh, like Rook's speeder. Yeah. But you know, Rook is also he's agile enough to kind of avoid any harm. So I love this back and forth that these two yeah. are kind of, they're kind of feeling each other out kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning here. So we'll see where it goes. Um, at the rebels camp, Sabine Wren states that she should be able to install the hyperdrive on Ryder Azadi's U-wing, but that since the ship is old, it may not work. Hera responds that she's confident Sabine will manage it. As Sabine walks away, Hera is approached by Kanan who asks her if she thinks she's given enough to the rebellion. She responds that maybe when the Empire has been overthrown and the galaxy is free again, uh, she will. Uh, as they lean in, they're interrupted by Ryder, alerting the camp to an incoming troop transport, and Hera runs off to check. Ryder, Sabine, and Hera train their blasters on their transport's door when it opens and narrowly avoid hitting Zeb when he emerges. This ship is old. There's no guarantee the Defender's hyperdrive will even work in this thing, never mind the Imperial blockade. Getting this TIE Defender data to the Rebellion is vital. When are you going to feel you've done enough for this Rebellion? I guess when the Empire is overthrown and people are free to live their lives the way they want again. And when that time comes, how do you want to live your life? Huh. I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it. So I guess you really never thought about us. Kanan, we've talked about that before. Have we? You know how I feel. Do I? We've got incoming. So, Mike, this scene, um, really interesting here because, you know, here's here's Kenny and he goes, hey, when are you going to feel like you've done enough for, mm-hmm. for this rebellion? And she's like, she's all in, right? She says when the Empire is overthrown – and the people are free to live their lives. So she's kind of put a clear line in the sand, like, hey, this is where I'm going. And you get the, the sense from Kanan, like, maybe he feels like they've done so much already. And, and he's just questioning, like, where do, you know, where does this end? Like, you know, I just think, like, like he's thinking, he, he wants to know, like, what happens after all this is done? Like, are you 
going to stay with the Empire? And that's kind of where they're going. Like, they're showing this this conflict almost between these two now. Like, yeah. she's so invested in, the, in, in this cause now. And he just wants to kind of know, like, what, what happens afterward? You know, are we ever going to go yeah. back to... So a lot, a lot of stuff to, to glean from this and you can kind of go different ways. Mike, any thoughts on these two and where they're headed here? Yeah, well, this is definitely all uh, uh, drawing back to, to the novel A New Dawn in which mm. um, Kanan is kind of like he's immediately smitten with Hera and, yeah. and it pursues her essentially. And uh, and and she by like throughout the thing is like I look I don't I'm not I'm not about that like I'm I'm fighting for the rebellion I'm fighting against the empire that's my life I don't mm-hmm. have time for romantic entanglements sort of thing um, and so I think that like when Hera says like we've talked about this before that's the type of conversation we she's talking about when really like they have clearly developed a relationship over the years. Um, and and they've been kind of denying it, especially Hera. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that he says, like, she's like, well, maybe when the Empire is overthrown. And he's like, well, once the Empire is overthrown, what kind of life are you going to live? Yeah. And she goes, well, I haven't really thought about it. And that, to me, is very similar to the problem that Han and Leia run into, where they come together in the midst of this war. And... Yeah. Um, they both lead these lives that are that are just so dangerous and hectic and 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 important that once that battle is over uh well, like what do you what do you do how do you yeah. how do you conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis and in the force awakens leia says well uh, han says well i just went back to to what i knew how to do right after after Ben turns to the dark side and Leia says we both did right like they right. Went, because she went back to she went and she started a new rebellion like I you know it's the resistance against the first order but it's a new it is a new rebellion that's that's what it is they got x-wings they got a-wings they got you know like the, I the, the rebel logo everywhere they are the new rebellion so she she went right back to it and I feel like that's very similar to Hera um, yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. if Hera is still alive in the era of the sequel trilogy, I imagine she's with the Resistance somewhere, running missions, you know, uh, running supply missions and that sort of thing, like she always has, with a whole new Ghost crew. Because who knows who's still around, right? Right. Um, yeah. Some forty years later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no. I mean, like it. It is. It's it. It's very much shades of that. Um, and Kanan very clearly is implying like, well, why, like, wouldn't we, if the war was over, wouldn't you and I then have a chance? Like, wouldn't, right, couldn't exactly. we, you know, be together? Um, cause they clearly care about each other and, and, uh, I don't know, it, it, we see where it goes. Yeah, I I wrote down the exact same thing. You brought up the Force Awakens, and and that's kind of where my mind was going. It's like this conflict so far has really put a lot of pressure on their on their relationship, and much like what happened with uh, in the Force Awakens, we see what happens to Leia and Han. With you know, Leia's just so into what she's doing and, and saving yeah. the galaxy and, and all that kind of thing with the new alliance and all that. So 
you can kind of see where this could go. It's just it's just putting a lot of pressure, and this is it's just a tough time right now. So um, definitely saw the parallels between her and, and Han and Leia too. So go ahead, Mike. What's next? Yeah. Meanwhile, Rook reports to Governor Price that he has located the Rebel camp and is transmitting his coordinates. At the camp, Sabine installing the hyperdrive tells Hera that there's a fifty percent chance that it will or will not work. Uh, the rebels rush to evacuate the camp. As Hera prepares to leave, she finds Kanan in the Ewing's hold. He tells her that he's worried about her, and she responds that she has to do her job. As Kanan expresses his worry, Hera kisses him. At the barricade, Sabine elbows Zeb to get him to turn around and see this, and the other rebels all smile. Breaking off, Hera and Kanan briefly touch foreheads before he disembarks from the Ewing. The ship takes off with Hera and Chopper on board. So there we go. There's the moment, right? I mean, like this is, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think everybody who wants, this is the, I love you. I know moment, right? Like this is right. their, this is definitely their, their, um, confession of like this, because Kanan's made it really clear how he feels in the last few episodes. And this is Hera being like, well, if it wasn't clear before, let it be clear now. Right. Um, but, ah, man, I only see this ending in heartbreak. It's This is not going to be good news. As much as I love it, it's not going to be good news by the end of the season, I don't think. Uh, yeah. It's going to be <laughs> like rough said, Yeah, this is, uh, what, four seasons of will they or won't they mm-hmm. uh, finally coming to a head. They finally get that in. And, and, and I thought it was kind of cool, like, the build up these last couple episodes. They kind of were teasing it, you know, and they kept getting interrupted. But, um, yeah. yeah four seasons in the making and she actually says may the force be with you um towards the end there as they kind of part ways so uh really but just a cool moment you know one of those yeah. like we've waited for that for a long time uh one of, on one of the approaching tanks rook informs price that he could have taken all the rebels out himself and she coldly responds that they already escaped him once so they are doing it uh doing this her way they see the Ewing take off, and Price orders Rook to inform Thrawn of the escaping rebel vessel. Ryder tells the remaining specters that they'll make contact when they get to safety, and Jai escapes in a landspeeder loaded up with the crates. Imperial fire destroys her remaining landspeeder, leaving the rebels with only one speeder bike left, and Zeb wonders how, uh, how many of them will be able to escape on that. The rebels take cover behind stacks of crates as the Imperial tanks approach, and Ezra hears howling. He sees several Lothus running through the rocks and draws the others' attention to them. Ezra suspects that they know the way out since they helped him before and suggests that they follow the Lothus. So um, one thing I did notice is that Ryder recognizes – so not Ezra's not the only one that sees the Lothus now. That was mm-hmm. kind of like a point like in last episode like, oh, did anybody else see him? But um, So everybody can see him. So they're not some kind of crazy force creature that only Ezra can see or or, or Kane and Mike. It's it's everybody can see them and they're yeah. kind of that's just a force thing. And we talked about that last week. So um, other than that, anything else, Mike? If you want to continue? No, we can just keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so we're at Price. Price, yeah. Price informed that the rebels are fleeing. Uh, coldly, no. Uh, sorry, Price informed that the rebels are fleeing. Coldly notes that there's no way for them to escape. She orders approaching tie bombers to turn the mountains into rubble. In the rocks, the rebels come to a clearing where the three wolves, including the white one Ezra met before, await them. Ezra asks, asks him if he knows the way out, but the wolf does nothing, and Ezra re- realizes that it is looking at Kanan. He comes forward as well, and the wolves 
head into a tunnel underneath a rock at the back of the clearing. The rebels follow. In the tunnel, Sabine and Ezra note cave paintings showing people following wolves. Enter, entering a larger area, Ezra tells Sabine to turn off her flashlight. The three wolves await them. The ground begins to shake from the force of the bombing raid, and the white wolf offers Ezra his tail. Ezra grabs it and tells the others to join hands. As they do, Ryder expresses skepticism that this is going to work. Uh, the wolves lead the rebels into a tunnel which begins to glow like hyperspace. And the rebels follow. So, um, it's so interesting, right? When this happens, uh, yeah. fascinating stuff. Uh, yeah. and it reminded me a lot of the Purgles, right? Because the Purgles mm. could yeah. travel through yeah. hyperspace naturally. And, right. um, I think that the, the Loth wolves, it's more of a connection to the force that gives them this ability. But thanks to the Purgles in season two, I want to say, I. Uh, we've learned that this is not that 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 um beings you know animals creatures being capable of of hyperspace travel it's not unheard of um so yeah i i thought that this was really cool i love the way that the tunnel you know what it really reminded me of it reminded me a lot of space mountain oh Um, yeah because you know at the beginning (laughs) of space mountain when you're going up at yeah. the beginning and you go and it's like the rings of light and they kind of get closer and closer as you go through and then you launch out. Um, yeah. It reminded me a lot of that, a lot of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't meant to be like sort of a, a bit of an inspiration. Um, Cause yeah. as they walk through, it's kind of like it intensifies as they get further and further in. Um, and then, and then really cool. And like they, they wake up, we see them in the field with the white loth cat and then they wake up when they wake up they're inside the cave but mm-hmm. there's kind of like a moment of them walking and they're kind of walking through space and then we see them all passed out in the field and then they wake up in the cave so it's like kind of where did they go right right and i think it's actually somewhat similar to um to yoda's journey at the end of the clone wars Mm-hmm. Um, that you know like the, it's not always the force doesn't always make sense uh sometimes right. it, it's a little bit crazier than uh than than we think it is and i love how much this expands the abilities of the force the ability to actually travel through space mm-hmm. um, from one side of the planet to the other so cool such a great concept yeah and it could be confusing and, and i know like at first, I was like, "Man, what the heck is going on?" Because you yeah. know, he grabs the lost, the the white wolf's tail, and they all kind of join hands. And they kind of go through this um, force, you know, like you said, Mike, force tunnel or whatever, and and they end up. Well, I guess we'll get to there in a second where they end up. Um, but yeah, and I, I don't know necessarily that we're supposed to know yet exactly what is going on. We just know that these these things, obviously, these wolves are force definitely big you know big time tied into the force i mean the jedi at one point were associated according to like the if you look at the uh uh the cave drawings the jedi it looks like at one point might have been associated with the loth wolves and and followed them into these caverns so there's history here and 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 maybe we don't know all of it yet but we're just kind of getting these small little chunks of of this history between the loth wolves and the jedi and obviously this planet too is full of just force sensitivity so a lot of stuff to unpack here 
Um, and, and we just probably don't know everything yet, but, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, above Lothal, Hera is chased by TIE fighters amid the Imperial blockade. Chopper beeps and Hera responds that she's not concerned about the fighters, but being cut to pieces by the Star Destroyers. Hera aims her ship at one module's hangar bay where stormtroopers gather to fire at her and orders Chopper to calculate their jump uh, to hyperspace. The ship jumps to hyperspace through the bay, setting everything aside on fire with the force of its passage, and the officer nervously informs Thrawn that Hera has escaped. And just a crazy, I mean, Hera is jumping through hyperspace through the space station hangar, yeah. which is amazing. I mean, talk she about did it before Han. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, right? It's just... <laughs> I just saw that. I'm like, did I just see that? Did that just happen? Like, yeah, it just happened. Holy crap, what amazing yeah. move. It's just a fantastic uh, piloting skills by Hera. Just just the, the cojones to pull that off. Holy crap, that was crazy, Mike. But, uh, yeah, um, let's uh, finish it up, Mike. Some more stuff here. Yeah, the Rebels wake up inside a cave, disoriented. Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, and Ryder find themselves on a ledge cut high into the side of a mountain with a circular canal visible in the distance. Sabine does some calculations and tells Ezra that although they were in the northern hemisphere, they have now traveled to a location in the southern hemisphere on the other side of the planet. Ezra goes back inside the cave and finds Kanan with the white wolf. Kanan asks Ezra what he see to tell him what he sees, and Ezra says that the location reminds him of the Lothal Jedi Temple, with the cave paintings that tell a story. Kanan asks the wolf why it helped them, and the wolf says doom, shocking him. He takes off his visor and touches the wolf, feeling it, and tells Ezra that the wolves are deeply connected to the Force, and specifically to Lothal. Ezra asks Kanan if he thinks that Hera escaped safely, and he replies that he knows she did. What does that mean? The wolf said it before. Doom is my name. Caleb Doom is the name I was born with. How does the wolf know that? It has a deep connection to the Force. To the energy of this planet. Don't all living things? This is different. More focused. Like it has a purpose. And we're a part of it. I'm getting a feeling building the TIE Defender isn't the worst thing the Empire's doing here. There's something else. Something more... sinister. So, all the paths are coming together, right? Yeah. I'm just not sure if we're going to like where they lead. Do we ever? No. And yes. I wonder if Hera made it. I know she did. So, Mike, this particular section ends with uh, Hera meeting up with uh, Mon Mothma, what and there's no it? words. There's no words exchanged, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a, I don't want to say eerie, but we'll we'll go back to what what Kanan was saying. But when this episode ended, I thought to myself, "Wow, I 
are we seeing could this be the last time or this particular episode the last time that that uh Hera sees Kanan just because the way they ended it it just got me thinking like yep. are they setting something up did you get that vibe I think it's possible yeah I, I, I mean it's I possible rule it out. yeah yeah I, that's, not, that's what I think too it's like it's possible I I don't know if they're playing tricks here but Man, just just sometimes the way they end episodes, it's like the yeah. time that the last time we saw Ahsoka, she was walking away. I, I definitely had these vibes, like, man, I don't know if we're seeing her again. And this is the kind of a thing. This just the way the interaction was. There was no talking. Just like Hera was there, and she's getting ready for this particular fight. And, and who knows? Maybe that I'm spoiler free at this point. I don't know what's going on. So. Who knows? They could all end up getting together again in this fight for the Rebel Assault episode, which. Mm. It's coming up today, so I don't know. I it just that that ending kind of got to me. Like, man, is there more going on? But anyway, that particular stood out to me. But also, Mike, this this the way this thing ended. Um, Kanan definitely is starting to feel some serious. You know, his you know they're more focused as far as the loath wolves. He says they're more focused. They have a deeper purpose, um, especially on this planet. And his his comment about. Man, maybe this Tide Defender isn't the the worst thing that's going on in this planet. It just, man, that gets your mind really like, what the heck is he talking about? Yeah. Mike, anything that uh, do you know? Do you have any uh, thoughts of where they might be going with I, this? You know, I really don't know. Um, I know, right? I can speculate that you know, like maybe maybe there's something Kyber Crystal related. Maybe there's some sort of a, a Jedi artifact or something like that on this planet. Um, perhaps there's something that fuels the dark side within Lothal that uh-huh. Lothal keeps at bay, right? That like, there's something, something that the Sith would want, something that would make the Sith more powerful, but, mm-hmm. but the, the Loth wolves and the Jedi who were previously there in the temples, they've actually been using the force to keep that thing hidden or protected from escaping. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I could, I can foresee a, a, a story in which Kanan has to sacrifice himself in order to stop that thing. And mm-hmm. that that's where he is. That's what happens to him. That, that, that Kanan becomes, the new sort of like guardian of, of whatever that thing is. And, uh, kind of like Indiana Jones and the last crusade with the Knights that, that protect the, uh, Oh the, yeah. The, the, chalice, the, cup, yeah. the chalice. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think, I think that's where I would go with it. That's the story that I would tell. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the story that gets told. It's, yeah. Well, the lawful yeah. are definitely trying to warn, Kanan and Ezra that something going on. I, I yeah. like I said, I, I don't know that we know everything quite yet. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely, you know, giving them some clues. And um, like you said, Mike, maybe it's something where, hey, Caleb Doom, Kanan has to, like you said, sacrifice somehow, some way, uh, which where I, th- I think it's kind of where we think it's headed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then, the, and then this, 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 the travel from, they go from the north to the south um some sort of introducing some kind of teleporting you know where they travel from one place to another using the force to like bend space and and this this where this episode kind of is doing that type of thing so different kind of it's like way out there you know this is kind of to me goes to some of those episodes with 
the Bendu and mm-hmm. the father and the son where the man they're really going out there. So I don't know exactly where what's going on with that either. Um, so, I, you know, if you guys do, definitely let me know. Let us know in the comments. Uh, yeah. Uh, Facebook or give us your thoughts, man, because we're fans like you and we don't know everything, you know, so it's interesting to see um, taking this uh, this realm and going to this space where we're going to time, you know, force kind of bending space to travel and kind of that kind of thing. So it's it's pretty interesting. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, pretty good. You know, this you said earlier about this season. I think it's because if they have these small, these smaller amount of episodes, everything's kind of tight, yeah. um, which we've talked about before. I think it 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 helps to make things tight. And just this this these this I guess um, theme of the season is kind of all kind of flowing together. So it's been really great. I kind of like that. I'm looking forward to. It. Like I said, I'm spoiler free. I don't know what's coming up next episode. So I'm looking forward to see where we go with Crawler Commanders coming up next week. Any any final thoughts on this this week, Mike? No, I you know I think that's it. I'm I'm uh, Crawler Commanders is a good episode, uh, but it it definitely strays away from this main storyline. I'm really okay. excited for the episode that's airing tonight, um, yeah. and where it's going to leave us off because it's going to be a long wait for new episodes. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Obviously, like yeah. I said earlier we are a month away from a new star wars film so that'll keep us um happy in the meantime i'm sure mm-hmm. but yeah. it's gonna be a long wait we gotta wait all the way probably until january I, I would imagine probably the beginning of january so yeah i i obviously we still have several episodes to cover we've got crawler commanders and then and then um, mm-hmm. rebel assault to, to still talk about so we're around for a couple more weeks after this week but but yeah, it's, it's, it's ah, man. There's so many mysteries, and it's like uh, Kanan keeps saying, "All paths are coming together." Yeah. But but what does it mean? What does it mean? I guess we'll mm-hmm. find out when we get there. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, we've got an email from. Uh, I wanted to check out real quick. Cool. Uh, Let's do it. Check out message. The Rebels Podcast. No lot to conjure club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. <laughs> This week, Mike, it comes from Ariel Philip Flores. He's commented before, and uh, he's back. Uh, he says, long time from commenting on the show. I got caught up with Lego Freemakers and finished Flight of the Defender last night. I was excited to see Rebels again, and the show would focus back on Lothal. It seems like the perfect bookend of the show might end on the planet where we uh, were introduced to our characters we have grown to love. It is also poetic should Kanan and or Ezra meet their uh, end here. I must say, seeing Thrawn not back down from the shooting from a shooting Tide defender shows what a great character he is and the fearless nature, disdain he has for the rebels. The scene so far is my favorite of the series. What is also great is to see all the uh, tugging at our emotions of whether Kanan and Hera finally admit their love for one another. Will it be forced situation that Hannah Leia had at, at Bespin? Looking forward to the, the remainder of the season. Thanks for your input. Love the show. Uh, love the new show design. So. A couple of things Mikey's talking about, um, you know, the, the rebels being back on the phone. And I talked about that where we both actually talked about this, where, you know, it ends, it kind of starts there and it looks like it might end there. I think one of the things I thought that this particular rebel show is the, it's going to be like the battle of the fall and, and the liberation of black Lothal and what happens to Canaan and Ezra obviously is a big part of this too. Um, and he talks about Canaan and Ezra and we got that in this episode. They finally come together and 
when they were able to kind of share the kiss and all that. So that's been for years mm-hmm. in the making. We finally saw that. Uh, any other uh, thoughts on what Ariel Phillip has mentioned here, Mike? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that we've, we have seen that moment between Kanan and Hera. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, yeah, everything, everything is kind of coming together perfectly. Like, like he mm-hmm. says, it's a great bookend uh, to the show ending on Lothal, yeah. which I think right. is, is what we're, you know, coming back to. It's like when, when Ezra said, I'm going back to Lothal and I'm staying there. And I wasn't mm-hmm. quite sure because I was like, well, we still see, we still haven't seen the X wings and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I, I think that we've seen everything from the trailer thus far, or we will have by the end of tonight's episode. Um, and, and that'll be it. Uh, until until next year and and we've yet to see anything from next year's stuff so um so yeah it's 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 going to be interesting to see if they do ever leave lothal i don't think that ezra will i think that he was serious when he said if i'm going back i'm going back to stay he's going back to defend his home right Mm -hmm. and and especially now that he's there it's even more important that he does so so i do think Mm -hmm. this is going to be the bookend of the series and and this season is is shaping up to be great so yeah um, he talks about I'm, that. I'm glad to hear uh, that that he caught up with lego freemaker uh oh yeah, uh, yeah. because everybody should be checking that out as well definitely yeah that's good stuff there and he talks about thrawn too and i we mentioned that last episode how he's just he stood right in front of that tie defender he doesn't care you know he's, yep. he's got the supreme confidence in himself and his ability so yeah uh, that was it's good to see that good that uh it's not going unnoticed by our listeners as well. So good stuff. Um, next week. So help me out with the title of this. Um, I keep saying Crawler Commanders, but I, isn't it Crawler Commandeers? I, I keep seeing that on. Oh, is it com- Commandeers? I thought it was Commanders. I, I could be. Maybe it's a misspell on the on that because it was on Star Wars. The actual Star Wars site, it says com- Commandeers. So. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, huh. So. <laughs> Uh, I keep saying it wrong, I guess. Uh, okay, well, whatever. In, Crawler count. Yeah. Commanders. Yeah. They yeah, both, both of, titles make sense. <laughs> yeah. In need of a long-range transmitter, the Rebels look to infiltrate one of the Empire's massive um, ore crawlers. So this is uh, a quick spot of what's coming up next. Do you have any idea who you're messing with? The Mining Guild, we know. Guild control to Crawler 413-24. Activated your distress beacon and ceased output. Is there a problem? You copy. Over. <laughs> You're done, thieving scoundrel. Guild control to crawler 413-24. Respond immediately. Yes, respond. We better come up with something. Ezra, this one's all you. <sighs> Be my guest. Sorry. The crawler has malfunctioned. Is that what I sound like? So there's a, uh, we're getting the mining guild and it looks yeah. like Seth Green's character. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah good, okay. A good episode. Really fun episode. Some, some, some cool stuff to talk about, but definitely not as mythology based as the last few, just a little bit more action and comedy oriented a little bit more like season okay. one too so it's right. a nice break actually i think i think it's i think it paces out the season well um, oh, okay cool cool but yeah uh but that does it for this episode 
Uh, thank you guys yep. for tuning in, of course. Um, before I jump into the, the outro, just another reminder that I am doing Movember this year. You can head to mobro.co slash A-R-K-W-U-L-F if you want to support me over there. Everything helps, even a dollar. Um, and uh, if you donate to my Movember page and then just let me know on Twitter, uh, you'll get entered into a, a drawing to win a, a free commission, a free a free art commission from me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a little bonus that I want to send to that I want to put out there to to thank everybody for supporting um, my my Movember initiative. Um, I've got a few people in there already. And uh, so the odds are actually pretty good. The odds are in your favor at the moment um, if you uh, if you want to win that draw. But uh, that's mobro.co slash A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Um, or you can just go to Movember.com and uh, and you can probably just search for me, Michael Cohen or Ark Wolf, um, and you might be able to find it that way. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Of course, uh, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars animation news by heading to RebelCells.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast, and on Twitter at Rebels Podcast. You can follow me personally on Twitter. I'm at ArcWolf, A R K W U L F. And you can follow Matt at The Crankster, that is Crankster with a K. Uh, and uh, and you guys know we're part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to Thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network um, and, uh, and support us over there. Uh, and if you want to support the podcast, you can do that in a couple of ways. You can do that first by heading to store.thunderquack.com, pick up some merch. Um, you can pick up T-shirt maybe a cell phone case, all sorts of stuff over there. Um, and uh, the other way is to head to patreon.com slash thunderquack and chip in if you have the ability. So uh, that's a monthly pledge for as little as a dollar. You get access to the the exclusive Thunderquack Facebook group over on Facebook just for Patreon supporters as well as the exclusive Thunderquack podcast. Um, and uh, you know what? If, if you can't afford to support us financially, there is a way that you can support us uh, without giving us any money. And that is by heading, uh, to whatever you're listening to the podcast on and, uh, and leaving a, a comment or a rating, uh, uh, preferably favorable, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and let people know that you enjoy the podcast, that that would be a big help and we would really appreciate it. So if you, uh, if you've got a moment to do that, you can do that as well. Um, but that does it for this episode and we will see you next week for the episode apparently titled crawler commandeers. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>